This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast. As always, presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code PODCAST1 to get that glorious 50% welcome bonus. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman. Now I've got a bunch of different media gigs, some small businesses, and five podcasts. The Ross Tucker Football Podcast that had Ryan Rosillo today debating NBA versus NFL and talking about why my wife and I are the greatest karaoke singers of all time. The Fantasy Feast Podcast, Even Money Podcast, Andrew Brandt does the Business of Sports Podcast, and of course, I've got the College Draft Podcast with my guy Matt Waldman from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. You can and should follow Matt on Twitter, at Ross Tucker. Oh, no, that's me, at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Matt <laughs> Wallman. Can you tell Matt I say that a lot, the at Ross Tucker NFL? It just kind of comes right off the tongue there. As it should, man, as it should. There you go. What more importantly than Matt's Twitter handle, at Matt Wallman, is MattWallmanRSP.com, where you can get the rookie scouting portfolio. Matt, every once in a while I tee up so you can make sure everybody knows what exactly the rookie scouting portfolio is and what they'd be getting and how. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. This is a draft guide that's probably one of the most comprehensive you're going to see out there on the offensive skill positions, a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. You get two draft guides, essentially. You get one on April 1st. That is a pre-draft look that gives you rankings. It shows you, takes you through my entire process in an entertaining way so you can see how they stack rank, these players stack rank against each other in all different categories that are important to each of their positions who's underrated, overrated, and then I give you lengthy profiles that cover what they can do, what they're having trouble doing, what they can get better at, and as well as different cheat sheets that explore the positions in terms of breaking them down into subgroups. And then you get a post-draft for the same, you know, within the same purchase, you get a post-draft no later than a week after the draft that re-ranks the guys based on where they were acquired um, who that who acquired them and what their fit looks like along with their depth chart and how that matches up. And in addition to that, you get a cheat sheet if you're a fantasy player that compares the average draft position of dynasty leagues um, that have been drafting players before and just after the draft. And I separate that out versus what my rankings are. So you can kind of find the sweet spot. So if I like Nick Chubb more than most other people, 
I'm not telling you to take him first overall. I'll show you where you can get him and get the value for him. Um, so things like that. And then you also get a newsletter that comes out once a month from December through January that updates rankings um, from the past three seasons of rookie classes. In addition to me talking about and writing about um, players that I'm looking at for the next year's draft class. So you get all of that available for $21.95 at mattwaldmanrsp.com. Um, and a percentage of the sales always go to Darkness to Light, which is an organization um, designed to prevent and address sexual abuse of children in communities um, through community training to help people understand the dynamics so that we can prevent it. And unfortunately, when it does happen, be able to address it so we don't incur more damage with children. So, the, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity in terms of if you like the draft, if you like learning more about these players, and especially if you're a fantasy player, um, you know, this gives you a lot of information. It's fantastic. Uh, NFL teams get it, and that's why I wanted Matt to take over for Fran Duffy. Uh, you know, now that Fran's so busy with his Eagles stuff, so absolutely awesome. Let's get right into it. By the way, Matt, speaking of those skill guys, we're going to look at wide receivers today. It's talked about as being one of the greatest wide receiver groups ever. I already did talk to Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker football podcast, got his opinion. I thought it was interesting, Matt, really interesting because a couple guys I respect a lot, Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah, both have C.D. Lamb as their number one receiver. Greg Cosell thought that Jerry Judy was clearly the top guy, and that's what's so fun about the pre-draft process is – Everybody has their opinions. Everybody sees things a little bit differently. Do you have a clear top guy? Do you have a clear top receiver, Matt? I do, and it's such a great conversation point because wide receiver more than any position when it comes to the NFL draft really has the greatest variance in grades from team to team because you've got slot receivers, big slot receivers, and then you also look at the various types of roles in terms of flankers and split ends and what they do. So, and teams like to have certain types of size, speed type of players and different, you know, different archetypes of that position on their team at all times. So that can greatly influence where players get picked. And, you know, it, this is a great draft class. And to me, the greatness about it is the potential, because obviously the reality is, is even the first rounders, you know, you know, 24% of them over the past 12 years have actually put up three seasons of what I would call worthwhile starter production, meaning that they, you know, from a fantasy perspective, they, they give you top 36 production for three out of the first five to 12 years that they've been in the league. So it's, you know, the, the difference between potential and reality is pretty vast, but that said, I'm with Dane and I'm with Jeremiah when it comes to C.D. Lamb. I mean, I love what Jerry Judy can do as a route runner, but I'm making a draft list based on all the things that a player can it is that he can do, and in addition to the depth of talent that he has available. And when I look at C.D. Lamb, I have fewer questions about him because with Jerry Judy, I have some questions about some of his ability to make catches in against hard contact um, 
and also where he can be used in terms of the versatility. I think he's pretty versatile. I think he's going to have a terrific career, and he's not far behind C.D. Lamb. But in terms of what Lamb does, you know, he's a very underrated route runner. I mean, his ability to he, – he's very patient. He can test corners' patience off the line. He has very good skills in terms of the arsenal that he uses of moves with his hands and feet to set up defenders. And he's very precise with – physical play. So when defenders are draped on him and, and kind of hand fighting him, he's very good at being able to remove those hands from his body at the top of his stem in a way where it won't be called as a push off. It'll just be looked at as hand fighting. And that takes a lot of precision to do. He's very explosive in his hips to be able to make um, breaks and, you know, winning the football in the air. I mean, listen, I mean, he and Judy are both great at it. But C.D. Lamb has made some catches that I would already put on my list of some of the best catches I've ever seen that didn't deal with contact. Um, you know, there's a play against UCLA that he makes that looks like something that was a combination of if you took, you know, Brandon Lloyd, Larry Fitzgerald and put them in a laboratory, you know, maybe C.D. Lamb would have popped out on that highlight. It was, you know, just a backhanded sky catch that he makes these types of plays. And then he can also work over the middle and take contact that he sees coming. You know, guys like Julio Jones, who's, you know, obviously one of the best receivers in the NFL, still has issues taking contact if he sees the contact coming in his sight line. You know, when a guy can see the contact coming and he can still make the play, that's my kind of guy right there. And CeeDee Lamb certainly can do that. He reminds me of what maybe a bigger, stronger version of what Santonio Holmes was at the height of his career and maybe be able to build on that. He's an extremely versatile guy, technically sound, and and I'm excited to see um, where he plays and what position they want to put him at, whether it's going to be split end, flanker, or the slot, because he could do well in all three, depending on the scheme they want to use. Interesting. So, C.D. Lamb, clearly your number one guy as well. Is there is Judy the number two, or is there somebody else we should be talking about? Well, Judy is certainly Judy is certainly up there, but I have I actually have liked Denzel Mims for months, and he was in one of my top three players. But Judy and Mims are essentially two and three in this in this group, and Mims slightly edges him out, mainly because again of the things that I can you know that you can prove you know with Judy I can project that he's probably going to be able to handle contact well. Um, but again, it's, it's on a level that I haven't seen enough of it to feel comfortable projecting it at a higher, you know, giving it a higher grade or more weight. Um, and I see Denzel Mims as a guy who has improved throughout the course of his career at where he has a number of good release moves. He's gotten better every year in terms of his releases. He's absolutely terrific at being able to make the catch at the point of contact and be able to adjust to the ball. He can hang in the air and be able to make those types of adjustments. Um, and while he has some drops, they're not the kind that I would look at are, that are technically oriented um, they're, or contact oriented. They're more about focus. And to me, I can live with some focus drops here and there. Um, if the guy's going to make, you know, highlight worthy plays in tough situations and he does that and he rebounds from drops when he when he does occasionally make them but as a guy who you know he's swift 
you know, he can accelerate well. He has uh, a really good ability to bait and work with defenders and get them, um, you know, kind of get them off their game and get in their head when it comes to press coverage. He can work over the middle. He's strong enough after the catch. Um, you know, so I'm a big fan of what he does. But if you took Judy over Denzel Mims, I wouldn't have a problem with that. He's a Reggie Wayne type of player. Uh, the, the bigger question is, is he a guy that when he faces patient corners, because occasionally when he Jerry Judy's faced patient corners, they can kind of they can get the better of him at times. And when you talk about running after the catch, when you look at Mims and Lamb, they're a little more decisive. I look at Judy and I see, you know, his acceleration is not great. And when you look at his, you know, he's got great long speed. He has great short area quickness, but you can see the way that he runs routes, the way that he moves in the open field is a way of basically naturally compensating for the fact that his acceleration is okay, but it's not on the level of the other tools in his arsenal. So he, he may be more prone to trying to make that second or third move in ways where he loses more yards than he gains. Um, and, and as well as where maybe he's also put in positions where patient corners can get him to, to be tentative with his routes in ways now that he's very decisive and he gets the better of people. Um, but he's going to get tested a little bit more. I think he'll work through that. Um, but when we're talking about looking at, you know, we're splitting hairs here with these guys, essentially. Yeah, I'm going to put Denzel Mims a little bit over because he's proven what he can do against um, in terms of the versatility of what he has available um, in his tool kit. Wow, I love that. I love hearing that because I'm looking at, at Dane Brugler, who's a friend, and we both write for The Athletic. He doesn't, and this is pre-combine rankings, but he doesn't even have Denzel Mims in his top 10, which is surprising yeah. given you know what Mims did at the combine and what Mims did last year for Baylor. So uh, really interested and intrigued to hear how high you have him. I, I do want to get your thoughts on Henry Ruggs. We know how fast he is. We know how explosive he is. There's a lot of people that are really high on him, but nobody ever talks about him as one of their top two or three receivers. What are the concerns? What are the knocks? Yeah, and I think the knocks for him come down to one is being able to frame the football with his hands. Um, you know, it's very important at the catch point that you use the appropriate framing for where the location of the target is. If you have your, you know, you want the hands to kind of form a, a triangle and a V uh, or a triangle towards the ball when it's at your chest level and above. And then when it's, you know, at your belt level and below, you kind of want to have your pinkies together to be able to catch the football. And there's times that he's someone that when it comes to tracking the football over the middle, he can try and use that low hands framing on balls that are above his um, chest and that can cause him to let the ball into his body and against tighter coverage, that can be a bit of an issue. Um, you also have, um, you know, when you look at in terms of what he does, um, you know, with releases, he has some pretty good releases, but he hasn't really been tested by corners that are going to be like, I'm not that intimidated by your speed. Let's, you know, let's roll here. And, and with their kind of savviness, I think that there's still some question marks. I mean, I think he's obviously going to be good, but the question is, is he 
a you know a, a, a more technically sound version of Ted Ginn, who was an early round pick um, and a speedster, but didn't have the technical skills and the route running acumen to really make that leap as being an every down primary receiver. I think Ruggs has going to prove that, but is he that he's better than than what Ginn was? But can he be a guy that I think his aspiration um, comparison is, which is Santana Moss? I think Santana, you know, they were very similar size, similar speed um, and physical skills in terms of speed, quickness, change of direction. And both can go up and win the ball in tight coverage and, and be able to adjust to the football. Um, and I think that Ruggs flashes that, um, whereas Santana Moss showed that a lot more often at the University of Miami. Um, so for me, Ruggs is more of a Santana Moss guy. He's actually in my top five. Um, and he's not that far away. I mean, it's just a, it's, you know, most of these guys, the grades with the exception of lamb this year, most of the guys two through five on my board, it's the difference between just the combinations of what they graded, you know, in the highest tier to the middle tier. And it could have been the difference of maybe one thing with them. So rugs to me has a future as a, as an every down starter. Um, and I think that if he can improve upon some of the things that, you know, are decent in his game, but aren't top notch. And I'd say some of that is again, just with the hand position with his, with his catch point. Um, and, and then his releases where he's going to get tested a little bit more with press man, maybe just maybe teams that are thinking that they can get another Tyree kill. Maybe they can get a guy who can at least do some of the things in a scheme that Tyree kill does. But I think that's a little too far down the road. I think Santana Moss, who had a fantastic career is a good example of a guy that he could aspire to. And, and if he gets close, he's having a really good um, tenure in the NFL. One of the things I love, Matt, is I know that you dig deep, whether it's sleepers or developmental picks. Before we get to the developmental picks, who are a, a couple of sleepers that you have that, that you like? Yeah, I mean, I think off the bat, I've, we've talked about him a little bit before, but I, I and it's Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin. He did not have a good, he did not have a good forty. Um, he ran a four point seven three forty at the combine, but it, you know when when you watch his game through my notes, all I see is quick, plays fast, you know, sudden. Um, all sorts of adjectives for a guy who runs a lot faster. And from what I've seen, you know, when I detail what he does in terms of routes and separation and breaks, it's all there. And I think that this is someone who just didn't get pre-combine training. It just shows in terms of what he did, you know, in terms of the 40, he didn't start very strong. And when you look at his, his vertical leap, he had a 38 and a half inch vertical leap at six, you know, I think it's six, two, two Oh two. And that's like in the 75th, 80th percentile of vertical leaps. And when I went back and looked through my database of, you know, combine information, there were only six guys who leaped that high and ran higher than a four, six in the 40. So when you combine how he ran it, um, in, in terms of not being a technically sound thing, because he's never been a track guy other than he ran the triple. He did the triple jump in high school. He wasn't a, a sprinter. So he has no track background. He obviously didn't get the, the prep that some guys do, and it only takes two to three weeks to really 
learn some of the the basics to just shave you know you know significant numbers off that time but when you look at what he does on the field he's he, he had a 23 he had 23 ups on the bench press he's extremely strong it shows up on the field in terms of how he gets people at the top of his stem and manhandles them in a legal way he does get separation down the field um, he wins at the catch point. He wins against hard collisions. Um, really like what he does. And I just believe that I, I'm counting on seeing him at a pro day, having better times. And even if he doesn't, I think a lot of NFL teams will look at what he's done and say, there, there's this 40 times, probably a bit of an aberration. And I would bet that he probably runs it in the mid four fives. And if he does that with the burst that he has and what he's shown you know, ran in the 20. Um, I think he could be a really nice bargain as a late round pick. Um, kind of in the, you know, maybe he won't ever have a career that Anquan Bolden had and Anquan Bolden still went high, even though not as a top five guy that he was considered before he bombed the 40, but he could have a career where you look at him and go, wow, out of all these people in this class who were, who, who were so heralded, this guy's just tearing it up. And I can see, him having that kind of career is maybe uh, a flanker or even a slot man. Um, he, he's just, he's just that good. And if you don't, if you don't think, if you don't take my word for it, ask the Ohio state cornerbacks who both at the combine mentioned him as the only name when they said, who was the toughest receiver you faced in your career. And they've had a list of guys that they've dealt with who, who are going to either going to be good pros or already are. Yeah, you know, I always put a lot of stock in that because as a player, I felt like I knew who the best offensive linemen were and I knew who the best defensive linemen were because you watch them so much and it's like, man, that guy's good. That guy's just good. Or I went against him and people don't know about him that much, but he is tough to block and blah, blah, blah. Um, I always think the players – do the best job there. So when they say that, that certainly stands out to me for sure. Um, any other sleepers, or are you ready to get to your developmental guys? Well, I'm, I'll mention I'll mention one more guy, and and certainly it's it's funny though that you mentioned that because I think about Cooper Cup in the past, who was a player I really loved watching, and just I don't watch the combine usually. I just get the results and I go from there. But it was interesting to me. I turned on something and I saw Cup and I heard Steve Smith just rave about his route running and I just smiled because I just thought that was this that was kind of like the stamp of validation when you have a guy like that just go oh yeah he's the best receiver in this class he's a he's already an advanced route runner and then you know a year later or six months later he's basically at you know facing Minnesota and Zimmer's talking about Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks and and Cooper Cup and says Cooper Cup's the receiver we worry about the most. Um, so um, very interesting stuff there. I'm another guy who's probably, you know, a bit more of a sleeper in this class. Um, I think a guy like Jeff Thomas out of Miami, um, who's a, you know, 5'8", 170 pound receiver who has 445 speed, 36 and a half vertical leap. But more importantly is, you know, he runs decent routes. He's someone that can catch the ball well, and he he's absolutely magnificent in the open field. He and KJ Hamler are both awesome when it comes to to being able to you know work through traffic and do it um, with efficiency 
and also dynamic movement. They can balance both really well. Um, and I think that he'll have a nice career as a return specialist, um, but I think that there's upside with him that he could become a slot receiver, maybe a more productive version of what Travis Benjamin flashed, a former Miami um, slot receiver who played in Cleveland and, and in San Diego, where he's had moments where he could stretch the field. And I think that Thomas has the potential to do that. Let's get to the developmental guys. Let's dig deep, Matt. This is the type, type of stuff you get with the rookie scouting portfolio. Who are the guys in that category for you? Well, I think Aaron Parker out of Rhode Island certainly heads the list. I mean, this is a guy who's gifted with superb quickness, terrific acceleration, and makes him a productive player after the catch. But he also has a real flair for winning the ball against tight coverage. He's a fearless pass catcher. He can be a real problem for opposing defenses if he earns the ball in stride in the middle of the field. Um, however, he's kind of a, currently a player with some highs and lows um, in the most important parts of his game. I mean, he'll make catches on targets with a high level of difficulty, but then he's going to drop some of the easier opportunities. And there's components of his route running that are close to starter tier in my book, but he doesn't always make his breaks as sharp as he could, and he needs to maximize every bit of separation possible once he's in the NFL. So if he can prove to the NFL that it, you know, that it isn't too great of a jump for him from the technical standpoint and the conceptual things that he has to learn in terms of the demands of the playbook and adjustments with coverage and being on the same page with a quarterback, especially from the slot, I think he can develop into a role player with potential, you know, two to three years from now to being a starter. Um, Antonio Gibson of Memphis, you know, he's one of the most versatile players of this class. Um, Gibson returned kicks. Um, he played running back. He produced as a wide receiver. He's, you know, six feet, 227 pounds um, type of guy that as a receiver, I think he's probably I think he could be a good receiver in, in, as more kind of like a possession type of guy who can execute hard breaks, work back to the football, get downhill fast and use his physicality to earn yards after the contact. I think a lot of the media would like to see him play running back. And I think he could deliver there. Um, but it's more confined to a gap scheme. I think his vision is at best with making one decision and, and bleeding the most that he can out of following that one block. Um, I think he has a little more promise, actually, as a receiver. Um, and with the quickness hands and route prowess that I think is kind of budding in his game, I think there's enough for him to build on. And because he can handle running back duties in certain schemes right now, and be a return specialist, I think he'll have a chance to stick and maybe be able to grow if he can work at his game. And then the last guy is Lynn Bowden Jr. out of Kentucky. Although Bowden earns, you know, he's earned comparisons to Randall Cobb because he's played multiple roles at Kentucky. He played quarterback this year kind of as an emergency guy and, and ran the ball a ton. Um, not much of a thrower, but, you know, you give him – he was enjoyable to watch for the effort because, you know, it was an emergency situation. He's not quite the refined receiver as Cobb because he didn't get as much time at the position that Cobb did years ago. But he's a rugged guy for his size. Um, he's someone, you know, around six feet, um, 200 pounds. And he has, you know, very good speed, quickness, and vision to generate big plays. And, you know, when you watch a guy carry the load, you know, touch the ball and run it 25, 34, 29 times against top teams, and he's running through contact at the first and second level in the fourth quarter, and he's, you know, he's tiring people out, and you know he's tired, and he's still going for it like that. 
And then you see him as a receiver and you can see that the basic skills are there as a route runner. And, and there's things that he can build on in terms of with his releases and being able to, um, you know, make a little bit tighter breaks, but the, the physical skills to be able to bend and explode out of, um, changes of direction are there. He's someone that, that I'm really rooting for. And from what I, I see and how he plays the game, um, you know, they talked about him before the, the switch to quarterback that they felt like he was the, one of the smartest offensive players on the team. And if they needed him at quarterback, he could do it. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so I think that this experience will actually help him as a receiver down the line. Gosh, that was awesome. I mean, Matt, his knowledge to go deep on Rhode Island and Antonio Gibson, absolutely awesome. Love talking with him almost as much as I love going to betonline.ag and using the promo code podcast one so that I get that 50% five zero welcome bonus. Whether you want to listen to the Even Money podcast this week and get Fezzik and I's XFL picks, I was three and one. I'm not sure what. Steve was this past weekend, but last week was the first week we actually made our XFL bets on the Even Money podcast. And then you take those bets and you go to betonline.ag and you piggyback off of those with the promo code PODCAST1. Speaking of Even Money and Fantasy Feast, we will be posting both of those a little bit earlier this week than we normally do. So get fired up. Nothing wrong with having it a day early. If you want to listen to it the regular day, that's totally up to you. But at least you will have options. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.